Namaste, my friends. Welcome to the Happy Jack Yoga Podcast. We're so happy to be here with you. I'm Happy Jack, coming at you live from Cambridge, Massachusetts, USA. Uh, soon, that's going to be changing to Muskoka. Uh, but for now, this is where I am, and I'm here with Happy Hanna and also Happy Coco, my little doggy who's snoring right next to me. And we are in Bracebridge, Happy Jack Yoga Headquarters, Canada. Nice. Yeah, we thought, Hun and I were talking before we hit record, uh, we better just disclose that. If you hear snoring, uh, it's not us. You know, one of us did not fall asleep. Uh, we didn't, n- nobody in the Zoom room is accidentally off of mute snoring. That is Coco. He, the, the mascot of Happy Jack Yoga. And we're super excited. You know, it's, um, well, first of all, welcome to everybody who's here live with us. You know, we got, we got, Right off the bat, Alice doing some knitting. She's got a nice little hat on, winter hat, and already knitting. You can tell you and Hanna would get along great. We got Scott, we got Tanya, Diana, Martina, Sue, Yada. We got Amy, Brandon, Jewel, Danica, and Tammy. All these beautiful souls, 13 around the world. Everybody listening live on Spotify, Apple, Google welcome to you as well and and to everybody who supports us on patreon we have a nice little community there it's a community supported podcast uh if you'd love to be a part of that for the price of a coffee per month uh, you can make a a contribution and pay it forward it's patreon.com forward slash happy jack yoga and we're so excited you know really to to get started get in this conversation here today and I, i must share so last week two weeks ago or I should say last week I was just coming off of that cold and I I was still a little bit energetically low. Today I'm back to, I'm at 100%. I'm feeling 100%, uh, which is really nice, really nice feeling. And though, as I said on the last podcast, you know, I would be curious to see how it went because often when I am a little bit depleted, a little bit lower energy, that's when, you know, more of a, a vulnerability can show up, more of a soft side. And having listened back to the podcast, that was one of my favorites. That was a really good episode last week. And I think a big part of it is because of the the hot seat we did at the end. So we tested it. We're always uh, coming up with creative ways to to try new things. And so we did the hot seat. And that was a really beautiful conversation at the end of episode 12. And you better bet we're going to do it again today. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous. Hannah says I should be. Um, so she's going to put me on the hot seat. We'll see what happens. Stick around till the end. But let me bounce it over to you, Hannah. What is what is on your heart? What is on your mind? What is what is happening in the reality of Hannah and Coco at Happy Jack Yoga headquarters? Well, we woke up to knee depth of snow this morning, and that makes oh. me really happy. It's beautiful to be here and. Coco did not want to go out because he's basically swimming in the snow, but he has to go out. So we did our little loop and yeah, we're feeling amazing. That's awesome. I can't wait to come home now. It's like, it's a beautiful sunny day here. It's a beautiful day in Boston, uh, but there is definitely no snow and there's none on the forecast anytime soon. I I love winter time. I mean, I I love all the seasons, but I I really look forward to being home uh, end of next week. That road trip will happen. I'm so super excited to to be returning to the snow. And I'll share one other thing that I realized. I have another anniversary 
today. It's funny if when you when you get in at a certain stage of life, you know, mid 40s, and you start thinking about different milestones and different decisions you've made, all of a sudden, there's a lot of different anniversaries. <laughs> and one of those anniversaries, not as big as last week, last week was the 14 year anniversary of getting sober, which is really important for me. Uh, today is the for, again, 14 year anniversary of being cigarette free. Yes, exactly. One week after I quit drinking, you know, for that for that first week after, you know, I was using it as a bit of a crutch. And then I decided like, nope, this is going to go as well. And so on this date, November 28th, 2009, I officially was a non smoker. To anybody who happens to be listening, uh, that is a smoker, which I don't think are too many of our community or listeners, but you know, no, no judgment, we all go through that path. Man, it feels good to not uh, to not need that anymore. Thank you for the congrats, Danica. And um, so, anything else? Anything else, Honda? Before we get we get rocking and rolling here, what is uh, what is what is on your heart right now? What are, you're, you're, you've been home now for a week in Muskoka. I know I know you've you've had your head down creating the Yoga for Grief course which uh, so much of the community is very excited for. Um, that's running live December 11th through the 15th. Uh, we already got people reserving their spot, uh, getting excited. And I know you've also expressed that this is something that you're really looking forward to. And, and I have no doubt you've put so much into it because this is something that's been a, I mean, you talk about you know quitting smoking. Yes, that's a big thing, but you know, yourself, the, the grief journey that you've been on is like, you know that's profound that's that's life altering and now to be able to take your life experiences as well as all the certifications and the training and the studying you've been doing bring that together and make it relevant for yoga teachers that's pretty cool you know i i think so at least yeah it is really cool and it feels like um kind of like it um is a way of honoring what i have been through and mm the um, the fact that my husband existed like it's a little bit like sometimes I think that those who have passed they live on through through us who are still here so in that way it's mm -hmm. deeply meaningful and also it's kind of magical a little bit like art like I don't really know how it's gonna um, turn out like the whole plot of the training because it's a five-day training so there's um, a lot that's going to happen. And, and I think it's going to be mainly beautiful and blissful. Like you'd think grief is like a heavy topic and, but grief is all the emotions. Grief is not just sadness. Grief is also being acutely aware of what is great, what is real and true. And it puts our values in a really good kind of priority situation so yeah I've been thinking a lot about that and and also on the on the other hand it's quite difficult because it feels like it is it's something I've studied now for years I'm fascinated with grief like it's something that I'm really I wouldn't say obsessed but I'm really deeply interested in because also my experience isn't the universal experience everyone's grief is unique there's a millions of ways of grieving mm. and so 
on one hand, it's it's intense too because it's difficult to bring my whole life into like slideshows and lectures and everything that I've learned. So I look forward to seeing at the end also because it's a co-creation, how the participants, what what they bring to it, how they what they get out of it, like all those conversations I'm really looking forward to seeing where they are going. Mm. I love it. Yeah, we, it's true. We never really know how those courses are going to unfold. Um, you know, we, we, we put everything we have into creating them. And yet it, it always seems to be magic. It's like the right people who are meant to be there to participate in the conversation ends up being there. Uh, we have such uh, deep conversations, I feel. And I think it's really rewarding that we it's really fulfilling that we get to we get to bring these topics that have been such a big part of our lives and and then make them relevant for yoga teachers, make them relevant for leaders and yogis. You know, I'm just thinking that the next course in January is Krishna and Christ. And I'm like, that's something that I've been studying this past semester at, uh, you know, here at Harvard Divinity School. And, and one may think, well, you know, why would we talk, why, and, and not criticizing it, but like, why would we talk about Christ or Christianity in a yoga teacher training or why would we talk about krishna and it's like these were great yogis these were great teachers these are individuals who led by example they're you know depending on your beliefs they're you know divine beings and there's so much that can be um, gained from learning about them and studying them and understanding them and it doesn't mean we have to believe in them or believe in in, in this or that tradition um but you know as yoga teachers, we sometimes will find ourselves in conversations like, where does this come from? Is it okay that I practice yoga, uh, even though I belong to this other faith tradition? And, and we don't have to know everything perfectly, but it's, it is, uh, it's, it's helpful to have just that, that expanded understanding. Absolutely. And I think most of us teachers do operate in this Judeo-Christian paradigm. So I think it's very much relevant to yoga teachers to, you know, visit that the topic. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Right now you're creating Yoga for Grief. Uh, I'll, I'm working on the Krishna and Christ course. And so the next couple of months, we got some really cool new courses. And I, I should just mention briefly, of course, everybody I'm looking at right now is, you know, members of the community. Um, and for those, we, we just finished now, it's complete. Uh, we just finished the, the Black Friday weekend, which, which, you know, Han and I we were talking about a week ago. Instead of, it's really a language thing, but it feels better energetically. Instead of focusing on like Black Friday sales, it was more, our, our focus was on Thanksgiving enrollments, right? Like, let's, let's give thanks. It's a Thanksgiving weekend. It's a heart-centered uh, occasion and, and enrolling students into, into their studies, into growing. And so we have several new members. Uh, so happy to welcome you into the community. Uh, and even existing members uh, of the community, you know, decided to, to take advantage of that discounted rate and apply it for their second year. So, you know, there's lots of yogis on here who have been with us for multiple years. Uh, and it's, it's really special when we can find a community and a place that we can continue to learn you know, intellectually continue to deepen our practice, uh, but then also just have that community element and that accountability and that support. 
So, um, and, and today is actually officially Giving Tuesday. So we're just going to put it out there. Um, you know, we, we, we love to give and we have this scholarship foundation, our Alive to Thrive Scholarship Foundation that's, you know, we've gifted over the years, over 200 scholarships. It's kind of crazy. And if, if anybody listening or, or participating right now, if you know somebody in your life that you think could be a really great candidate to either become a certified yoga teacher or simply to, to deepen their practice or to have this, this loving community support. Um, and they're, they're not already a part of the community, but you think they'd be a great fit and they, and they just don't have the means. Otherwise, send us an email, info at happyjackyoga.com and uh, you know, send in a nomination and you never know, they might just be a great fit. And we've got, because we do have some, some scholarships we can help out with. So that being said, we got a myth. We, we got a myth today, uh, Hannah. Why don't you drop that myth on us? Yeah, the myth is yoga is boring. That's crazy. That's crazy. And I, I see some react. You see some laughs and some smiles and some head nods, as in no. Um, I get it. I get it. Why some people might have that experience. That's not my experience. You know, I remember, but so a few things I would say about that. I mean, if yoga, if you have tried yoga and you've tried multiple different teachers and multiple different styles, and you've really given it a good effort, and for you, yoga is still boring, then maybe it's not for you. And that's okay. That's, that's like totally okay. Like I remember uh, I've always prioritized my health since 25 years ago when I lost the hundred pounds. Right. So for 25 years, I've really prioritized my health. And I can remember many of those years, you know, going to the gym and, and lifting weights, you know, by myself, three sets of 10, you know, bicep curls, three sets of 10 uh, bench press, you know, whatever it is for me, going to the gym by myself, doing those same movements, that was kind of boring. And so so I, you know, I thankfully found a more fun way to be active, right? We have, when we're back home in Muskoka, we got Vita Fitness that we can go and work out with. Here in Boston, there's places like um, uh, Orange Theory Fitness or, or just finding fun ways to, to, to do these activities. Um, so, but for me, getting up in the morning to do yoga, like there, there's, there's no resistance. There, there, there's no sense of boring whatsoever and and really like yoga it's it's a big part of it is to help us you know i mean it helps us physically it helps us you know it helps us mentally we kind of notice um you know it calms our mind and these kind of good things but there's something about it like like i just become so much more aware of the busyness of my mind and become more aware of my thoughts and become more aware of my emotions and I would say, you know, my thoughts, what's going on in this head is anything but boring. <laughs> I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's advised. I'm not saying it's ideal, but it's definitely not boring. And so when I, when I come to my yoga mats, like that's what I'm present to. And so the easy thing to do, and I've been guilty of it in previous years, right? The easy thing to do is to numb out or to not feel it right to reach for in the past you know the alcohol or the cigarettes or the drugs or the whatever um you know now it could be a netflix or food or relationships or and and not that those things are inherently bad all of them of course 
but it's it's a, it's just a way of numbing out and i feel like you know yoga it's, it it kind of forces me in a in a loving healthy way to be present with with whatever is right there so i i've got more to say but i'm going to bounce it over to you hanna yeah um, I think like yeah. what you mentioned about numbing out maybe isn't always numbing out, but it's also a way of self-soothing um, in stressful situations when we don't know how to, you know, how to deal with something. And and yoga certainly can be a great tool also for self-soothing. It's just one that we might not be aware of yet if we haven't been exposed to it. But I can certainly understand if someone finds yoga boring. Sometimes I do. If I practice with someone who, who to me doesn't bring the content in a way that it lands well for me, I can easily get bored. Um, that that is true for me. But but I also think that if if yoga is boring, like over and over, if you try it many times, it's still boring. Then maybe it hasn't quite clicked yet you know and sometimes um it has to be the right teacher or the right style of yoga that really speaks to you just like anything else in the world like the it's about a connection that is being created so that could be one reason it ends up feeling like it's boring if you don't have the right context but once it clicks then i think it's everything but boring and 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 the thing about yoga is also that it's kind of like repetitive movements oftentimes and if we had like more kind of education around what that does to our brain and to our nervous system and to our physical body mm-hmm. now we're talking yoga asana the postures right um then we would probably do it with less resistance because it's maybe one of the healthiest things we can do is to breathe mindfully and and that helps all of our systems to calm down and then thrive right mm-hmm. like th- there's probably not a lot of other things you can do that would be healthier for your brain and your nervous system and your tissues than yoga like it's the it's it it is really healthy to practice yoga that's why it's always recommended everywhere Right. So knowing that maybe makes it like more purposeful. And then when we have like an inner drive looking for that sensation that you might have during or after yoga, then it becomes less boring. And one more thing that I want to add is like the we're often like in the West, we're kind of like driven with like purpose and goals and and sometimes in yoga too we might think like i want to do the really advanced asana and then that becomes more like attractive to kind of work towards a balancing pose and and have the strength to do that and that's great but also like there's a saying that goes like this the practitioners like the most seasoned yoga practitioners Um, You can recognize them by their enthusiasm for the very basic, repetitive, the simplest practices that yoga offers, like breathing and moving slowly, mindfully. Like when yoga hits your system in the right way and lands and expands you, then it's not about the goals and the advanced poses, but the most simplest practice is the most mind-blowing and most meaningful and most paradigm shifting 
so to say. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. And that, you know, on that, that makes me feel good in a sense, you know, joking a little bit here, but now like my practices have gotten quite simple. I think, you know, the, in, in the earlier years, it was like more complex and trying these, these inversions and all of that. And, and those can be great, but it is, there's something about just those simple getting into the flow of some sun salutations. And, and I think an important distinction to make is that yoga, like coming back to what we talked about a few episodes ago, yoga according to the yoga sutras is the stilling of the fluctuations of the mind right so that's that's what yoga is so if if we're able to actually accomplish and actually experience yoga which is stilling the the busyness of our mind that's like a really nice feeling and so we we want to be careful to distinguish you know stretching because if we're just on a yoga mat doing stretches but our mind is thinking about our to-do list or our mind is having resentment towards something that, or some person, you know, all of these things that happen to us as humans, that's actually not yoga. That's, that's stretching while, while obsessing about stuff in our mind. And so when we can really, like you say, Hannah, get into that mind space and that mindset of, of doing very simple practices with intention, and, and just being able to focus on our breath or focus on a mantra or, or doing our best to, to not get caught up in the, the stories of our mind, you know, that's, that's yoga and it's not easy. And, and, and I think that, and, and I'll be honest, a lot of times I get into my, do my yoga and I'm doing all of those things where I'm thinking about my to-do list and all of this and that, but it's like those, those precious moments where I am able to just be, connected to my breath or just be connected to the mantra or just be connected to the moon you guys see the moon these days that full moon the last two nights unbelievable and right so like when i wake up in the morning and i'm doing my sun salutations looking out the window and i see that full moon it's just like there's something about that there's like some some deep connection those brief moments that's yoga and and i wouldn't classify that as boring and um you know, I was thinking too, like when, when we have that sensation or that thought of like, you know, this is boring, whether it's yoga or whether it's anything else, you know, I, when that happens to me, I kind of ask myself a few questions. Like, what is it? Is it, is it resistance? Am I, am I resisting it? Is it somehow physically uncomfortable? Is it you know, mentally uncomfortable because I'm you know, not doing anything? Um, or sometimes, you know, am I being lazy? Is, is that, is that why? Uh, I don't want to do the yoga. Is it that I'm being lazy or, you know, would I rather check out or do something else? Um, Sometimes the answer to those questions is yes, Uh, but it's just like kind of just being aware, like, is it truly boredom or, you know, is it, is there something else there? And is that where the work for me, that's where the work is. Like it's, it's, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention and to really caution and, and we do this in our teacher trainings and we've always said it, Hanna, is to caution yoga teachers with their use of music and playlists. Now, you know, I, we play music, you know, I, I, I use my guitar, I use the harmonium, you know, in a shavasana, we'll, we'll put on a really nice song very intentionally. Uh, but I know as a newer yoga teacher, I used to just make a, a wicked playlist of all my, all my favorite tunes of, of songs that I know the students will love. And just for 60 or 90 minutes, it would just play in the background 
nice and loud. So it's like, so, and then I'm just like calling out poses over top of this playlist. And, and there's, there's uh, enjoyment to some extent for the students. Cause it's like, oh, this is great. Like I'm, I'm moving my body, but I'm listening to good music and this is great. Um, and it's, and we want to be careful because as yoga teachers, we can be kind of hiding behind that or we're, it becomes more of an entertainment thing, right? Like people are putting, uh, music with yoga or goats with yoga or puppies with yoga or wine with yoga. And, and I'm not saying all of those things, you know, should never be done. Um, but it's like, what is yoga really, you know, and, 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 you know, we're in the West here, so we got to have some flexibility, but just, I guess we just want to make a few of those distinctions of what it really is all around though. I mean, if, when I hear yoga is boring, I, I, I give that a, let's see if the emoji comes up. Yes. I give that a thumbs down, uh, for, at least for myself, but you know, I'm not, I'm not like God, I'm not the truth. It's for myself. I disagree that yoga is boring. Um, I think that if, if somebody has that experience, I really encourage them to try happy Jack yoga, <laughs> no, you know, you know, try, try another style of yoga, try another teacher, um, because it doesn't mean that one, you know, there's no, it's not like, oh, this one person is the best teacher in the world for everybody. It's like, we, we got to find somebody that we relate with. And, um, yeah, that's my thoughts. What, what would you overall give it, Hannah? Well, I don't think yoga is boring, but but if it feels that way, then sometimes there's like an initial maybe resistance and then it's still worth keep going. And maybe that feeling will transition into something else. And then there might be, like you were mentioning, a moment of connection where it opens up. And even if it doesn't last for the whole class, it is something that is deeply meaningful. So even even if it is boring then you know try different styles and don't give up because the gift on the other side is so incredible that it's worth worth um, looking for it you know yeah totally and, and i think that all of us are ready for different things at different stages of life like Right, Hannah, we won't get into the whole story of it, but you've shared kind of when you when you first lost your husband and you were initially recommended yoga, well, like that those the first yoga class, right when that was fresh, you know, you, that maybe it wasn't ideal, it wasn't exactly the right time. And but now it's become such an important part of your lifestyle. And so I think for all of us at different stages, depending on what we're navigating with our lifestyle, with our relationships, with our trauma, um, you know, it comes in at the, the right time. But I would put out there, and again, you know, I can't say it is like the hard truth, but my my deep down belief is that like yoga can be beneficial for every single person. Every like I really believe it. Um, and it's just about finding the right style, the right teacher, the right understanding of what yoga is. Um, and and yeah, the right the right life stage of each person. Yeah. And also like the yoga asana, the physical postures are kind of like an entry point for us in the mm. West. Oftentimes, like what yoga is, is not only yoga poses, but there's a whole um, universe of philosophy in, that can be deeply nourishing. And that was my yoga for the longest time because I was not able to do the physical poses. So yeah. yoga is so much more also than just the, the repetitive movements.
And like you say, there's probably benefits for everyone in, yeah. in yoga. And that's the fun part to see our practice evolve. Like maybe, maybe it would, maybe it would be boring or become boring if like our yoga practice remained the same for decades, like, and we just kept doing the same thing and nothing changed. Uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe that works for some people, but like you say, uh, you know, my, my practice started with the physical practice. It was like the powerful power, hot, sweaty vinyasa yoga, which I still enjoy. Um, and now, now in my, my four hours, my four hour morning rituals, which is like all of my yogic practices, only about 20 or 25 minutes of that is actual the physical asana. But there's all these other elements of the meditation and the mantra and the pranayama breathing. And, and, and I think like I, I've mentioned a couple of episodes here, I'm moving into the yoga ashram starting in the new year. I'm going to start moving stuff this weekend. And that's like a full immersion into yogic lifestyle. And again, I, I'm still going to be doing maybe, maybe 30 minutes a day of postures on my mat, but the whole rest of the day is engaged in yogic lifestyle, whether that's through seva, whether that's, you know, which is doing service, whether that's through kirtan, you know, chanting, whether that is through um, the, the different rituals, whether that's through the mantra meditation, uh, whether that's through, you know, the honoring our food, you know, we sit down on the floor and we honor our food before shuffling it into our mouths. Like it's, it, it's, it's that whole idea of taking yoga off of the mat and into every aspect of our life. And so it is, it's fun to see how it evolves. And, you know, we're what, you know, in 10 years from now, it'll be curious to, to see what, what our personal practices look like. So let's see here. We have, uh, I'm, I'm so excited to share that we've had a few questions that were sent in from members of the community. They're not, those yogis are not on, so we're, we are not able to bring them on here right now. Um, but we have a, a great question from Lorna, friend of ours from Jersey Islands, UK, uh, but currently in Portugal. And she sent a couple of really good questions. Do you want to, do you want to read that first one yeah. uh, around? Om. I'll read the first one. So Lorna says, what does the word Om mean? Often said to be the sound of the universe, but what is the origin of that statement? Do you want me to read the whole thing? I expect, I'll go for it. <laughs> I expect there is various yoga schools of thought of on the mantra Om because Kundalini chanting, it is said O-N-G. So on, whereas others pronounce as A-U-M, which then turns into Om. Through the Pranayama Mantra and Meditation course at Happy Jack Yoga, we learned that Sanskrit language is the language of the gods and has an effect on the energy body using pressure points in the mouth and throat. And also I would add vibrations as the sound goes through the physical body. Um, so what does om mean in sanskrit that's a great question and you'd think you'd think i should know the answer to that because i have a tattoo of om on my on my left arm i won't pull it up right now i got a hoodie on um but yeah it's it, it there's so much contained within it's within that it's it's a sacred syllable so it's a syllable uh it is uh it's considered a sacred sound 
it is a mantra if you if you've been to india or even if you haven't been to india if you've listened to mantras if you've chanted mantras like just a, a few if we think of the gayatri mantra they I'll, I'll share a few mantras and they all start with om so gayatri is om bur bhuva svaha tat savitur bargo devasya dimahi dio yo na prachodayat so that began with Om. Maybe I won't chant all of these mantras, but then there's the Triambakam. Om Triambakam Yajamahe Sugandim. On and on from there. There's the, the Purnamidam. Om Purnamidam Purnamida. On like that. There's the, the food mantra. Om Brahmarpanam Brahmarhavir Brahmagnao. And then, of course, many, many classes and, and mantras complete with om shanti 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 so we hear it all the time i mean i can remember maybe maybe some yoga classes if you take it like a, a gym like a fitness facility um they'll they'll leave the om out and, and and lots of teachers leave it out but there you will tend to hear it and so i think it's an excellent question so it is it's a sacred sound it's a mantra it's and and i'm not some of these things i'm going to share i'm not saying that that you lorna or any of us need to be able to fully comprehend it or even accept it, um, but it's I'll, I'll share kind of some of these ideas. So one idea is that the sound contains the whole universe, like the whole universe, the essence of the universe, the essence of divinity, the essence of everything that we're aware of is contained within that syllable. And and that's that's a big statement. I can't prove it, <laughs> obviously, um, but you know that's an understanding. But if we think about it, there is something about that sound. Because if I were to just give you any of you right now and say, "Okay, your new mantra is Coca-Cola," and so now, now I want you to just start chanting. Just just sit around and sit on your meditation cushion and chant Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. You know, or some some arbitrary word like that. Probably you're not going to feel a deep connection uh, to, to some word like that. However, unless you happen to love the, the drink, which I don't. Um, but if you know, if you chant Om, there is something about that sound. If you, um, it, I know sometimes I'll I'll do a yoga practice and just to mix it up and bring some variation, I'll play. You know, I'll find a mantra on Spotify where it's just. It's just doing ohms, just this sea of ohm, and there's something very soothing about it. So it's it's really more of an experiential thing. Um, I I also want to say that so it's found in you can find it in the Vedas, which are like the oldest yogic texts that exist. You'll find uh, ohm in the Upanishads. In fact, it, I might have to touch on this next week because our very last class. Of the and we're, and we're doing a class here at Harvard Divinity School called Intro to the Upanishads, and it's the very last class is next Tuesday, and we're going to be talking about Om. So I'll probably have more to share at that time, uh, but just to give you some idea that it's it's exists in the Upanishads, it exists in the uh, the Vedas. It's considered a tool for meditation, right? Like any any anything that we can, whether we use our breath whether we use uh, our drishti like focusing on one point or we use a mantra it, it can be a tool for meditation and with regards to the the pronunciation 
So something to understand. So yes, you know, Lorna mentioned how in our pranayama mantra and mudras course, which is here at Happy Jack Yoga University, and some of our other courses, we talk about Sanskrit. So Sanskrit is the 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 language or the 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 words of Sanskrit are Devanagari, which literally means you know divine language or language of the gods. Now there's without getting too technical, there's like classical Sanskrit and Vedic Sanskrit. And without getting into the details of those, so pronunciation will depend on you know what your practice is, what it is that you study. Um, and, and, you know, for example, if you pronounce it with more like an om, there's like a nasalization there, it, it can bring a stronger intention. I know when, when I've been living in Rishikesh, India, at an ashram there, and we were chanting uh, different, different seed mantras on each of the chakras, there, with that nasalization, that om, um, it, it can have more of an emphasis. It's a stronger, stronger experience. Um, you know, there, there's a lot that can be said. I mean, really, we could do a PhD topic on what OM is. I would say, you know, to kind of bring it back up to like relevance for the majority of us who are listening and like, whoa, there's a lot of information. It's like, well, what does it, what does it mean for you? And it doesn't mean that we can just say it, it means ice cream. And now all of a sudden, that's what it means. But like, let's study, let's understand what the Vedas teach us. Let's understand what the Upanishads teach us. Let's experience chanting some mantras. Let's say, you know, and, and based on that formulate, well, what does this mean for me? How can I use it? Do I feel comfortable as a yoga teacher sharing it with my classes? You know, d- depending on the context, sometimes I leave it out. And, and often, more often than not, though, we, we include it with our, because we're doing some Sanskrit chanting. So there's a, a lot that can be said and anything else that you want to add on that, Hannah? Yeah, I'm just going to say like O-M or A-U-M. Sometimes people ask like, what's the difference? Well, it's both are fine to say. And like Jack is saying, depends how you're using the sound. But I think like it's the one syllable that doesn't mean anything else than itself. Like a lot of other words might have double meanings in many languages and also in this context but om is just om it doesn't mean anything else but it's used to evoke the universal creation energy and the kind of like the white noise of the universe that holds everything together and in these traditions vibration and sound is just as real as you know my body or you know so that's why it's a it's a powerful practice and then another thing that i wanted to say like lorna was asking about the the gurmukhi word ong and that's what often is used in 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 kundalini yoga as taught by yogi bhajan at least i don't know about traditional but traditional kundalini yoga there's two tracks of kundalini yoga as well and so the ong is just a different language it's not sanskrit that's the difference between um that way of using the word and the language of that ong is called gurmukhi yeah that's, that's interesting you know something else i i was kind of aware of as i was doing a bit of prep for this is that om you know it's it's 
they they teach it in the Upanishads, they teach it in the Bhagavad Gita, they teach it in the Ramayana, the Puranas, the Yoga Sutras, but also other traditions. Jainism has their perspective on it. Buddhism has their perspective on it. Sikhism has their perspective on it. So there is no, you know, one size fits all necessarily. There's there's a lot of information out there, um, and you know, in one side, in one sense, I think it's really it's great that Lorna and others have this hunger to want to understand, because it's like you know, if we're gonna chant something, if we're gonna say something, if we're gonna you know share something, it's nice to have an understanding of of the meaning, um, and at the same time. There is also this from the other side, we don't necessarily have to understand everything perfectly. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to, because there's something about our brain. I can definitely relate with this. Like the rational mind wants to get it. You know, what does this mean? What is the purpose of this? What is the right thing to do? That's like what my mind is all about. And it's like, actually, maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll never know, but there's something life-changing about sitting around a fire and doing and doing an offering and releasing releasing you know qualities that are not serving me and while chanting these vedic mantras which often start with om yeah like not serving you and not serving the universe either for the greater good but the the one thing that there's a lot of research on sound and the vibrations of sound and how that impacts matter and as we know inside we're all jelly it's liquid inside and and water responds to vibration even stronger than more other type of um material so to say and so um a lot of the mantras are kind of like evoking vibrations that bypass our you know brain in terms of like interpretation the sounds will will land in our body and and create vibrations and and that's what i think a lot of the mantra science is also based on mm. yeah that's that's so interesting mm-hmm. and it is it's like it's it's so good to just keep educating ourselves and keep learning and asking these questions and um and and ultimately doing you know using it in a way that feels right for us and i just i'm just kind of looking through the chat there and from the previous conversation, you know, Brandon had kind of put into the chat, like, Hey, I still lift weights and do yoga and, and me too. I do as well. So I guess what I was saying before, I don't, um, I don't do the same structured three sets of 10, three sets of 10, uh, by myself, but I find other fun ways, uh, to lift weights, to challenge my body. And I think, you know, and I think here with the ohm, you know, I see Amy also has a tattoo on her back. Yara has a tattoo, an Om tattoo on her left arm, just like myself. And it's like, you know, I, I know when I got the tattoo, I didn't fully understand all of the esoteric meanings of Om. But like for me, it represented this yogic lifestyle. There was something about that sound that was soothing. There was something about those mantras that made me made me feel better and made me a better person. And so, you know, that, that's, that's really what it is. It represents for me, but I think great inquiry, great question, very deep, uh, definitely PhD thesis worthy, but hopefully that gives a little bit of an idea. I think what we should do, Hanna, just in the essence of time, cause we got to save time for the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have another uh, excellent question from Lorna and a fun one from Cece. 
Why don't we jump though to the hot seat just so we make sure we have time for this and, and if if we need we can sneak one of those in at the end. Um, but I, I gotta say, you know, this is the first time I'm getting put on the hot seat. I asked Hanna before we started if I should be nervous. Mm-hmm. She said yes. <laughs> I don't know if you're joking, but bring it on. What do you got? Okay, so the first question I have for you is what's the one thing that you want to achieve in life? but struggle with? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm an inquiry. I almost had a, a, I won't say a breakdown. It wasn't a breakdown, but like it was an an outburst yesterday in our Sanskrit class because we're sitting around the table and we're talking and we're, we're, we're translating Sanskrit and we're talking about grammar and it's all in the head. And I just, I had this outburst to the teacher who's younger than I am, you know, to the teacher and to the students. I'm like, why are we doing this you know in, in a playful way like seriously what is the point of life like we're we're we're, chant, we're translating the bhagavad-gita and all this and it's talking about divinity and god and, and i'm just like do you believe in god you know not not in a not in an aggressive way but i'm like do, do you believe like and i'm like i'm trying to figure out what i believe so i guess the way i'm answering the question is i'm i'm in a i'm in a space right now i i don't have the exact answer for that i'm trying to figure out what is the purpose of life um and and how what are what are my goals because i guess in these 43 years that i've lived now you know i've i've thankfully demonstrated to myself that what i set my mind to i'll achieve it i'll do it right and so if if i decide that you know the the end game the 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 ultimate goal is to to get a phd well i'll do it but I don't know. Is that, I mean, is that really, is that the goal of life? You know, and, and is it, is it to grow this uh, yoga community to have millions of people so we can have, you know, such a large scale impact? Is that the goal? Is that the purpose? I mean, these are all potentially good things. Um, but, but I don't know. I don't have an inner knowing of like, this is it, you know, but it seems to be, it seems to be, and I'm gonna have you ask the question again in a second, because I might be getting off track of the question, but it seems to me that like, and I don't know this for certain, because I, but it seems to me it's something more in the realm of spirituality and more in the realm of connecting with a higher power, more in the realm of, um, you know, being the best that I can be at whatever it is that I'm doing, whether it's a PhD, whether it's being a CEO and a, and a yoga school leader, um, whether it's whether for somebody it's it's being a, a good dad or a good brother or a good son, right? All of these different dharmas that we have. Um, so I, I guess my rational mind, hun, I wish I could tell you the answer. I wish I wish I had such certainty that I was like, this is this is the purpose and this is the goal, and I'm heading there. Like, that's what I want so badly. And yet, I don't know. I don't know. But can you ask the question again? Because I don't know if I got off track. No, you did not. Absolutely, you stayed on track. Even if you're not saying like one thing. But here's the question. What's the one thing you want to achieve in life, but struggle with? Hmm. You know, okay. Yeah, so all of that applies. I think I would also maybe add coming back to the, I mean, the whole point of this podcast, the whole point of this community, the whole point of our yoga school 
is, is, you know, living a yogic lifestyle. And so, you know, what is yoga? What is the point of yoga? Well, it's the stilling of the fluctuations of the mind. So like one of my goals, one interpretation of yoga, that's That's just one Patanjali and paradigm. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I was going to say some of the others as well. So that's something that is, uh, does sound really nice, right. To have a peaceful mind. Um, but I also, having practiced more of the bhakti yoga these days, which is more, you know, yoga of the heart, the yoga of love, yoga of, you know, of devotion. Um, you know, I somehow I'm, I'm pulled in that direction, even though I don't have absolute certainty. I don't know exactly how it works. You know, I wish, I feel like when I, you know, Yada was saying um, the, the, the full moon is, is uh, tonight. So just for, I guess it seemed pretty full to me the last couple of nights, but I guess tonight's the official night. And it's like, when I look up at that moon and when I look at nature and when I look at, you know, Coco, your dog, who's there at your side, when I was looking at him before we started to hit record, it's like, there's, there's something so complex and so incredible and so beautiful about this world, about human beings, about the, you know, the planet, about nature. It's like, I can't, I can't buy that it just happened by accident, you know, or some explosion happened and it just fell into place. You know, there's, it seems like there's, there's synchronicities, things, you know, meet the right people at the right time. There's, there's something, there's something greater at play than, than just me and what I think I'm doing. Like I'm, I've definitely learned in 43 years, I'm not the center of the universe. You know, when, when, when the day happened, like it's going to happen one day. Happy Jack's gone. Happy Jack passes away. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe people will stand around and, and have share a few tears by the end of the funeral, they're sharing some jokes and, and later that day they're eating dinner and, and everybody's on with the rest of their day and not to make light of it. Um, but it's like, you know, my, I know myself as individual, not the center of the universe. There's something greater at play here and, uh, I'm seeking it. I'm, I'm, I'm in the seeking phase. Yeah. So then there's two parts, like what's the one thing you want to achieve in life and, and you struggle with. So defining what that is exactly might be, I don't know, purpose of life, maybe the purpose of all of yeah. the things that we do every day, the purpose of your practice that takes you four hours every day yeah. and then finding certainty. I'm hearing you wanting to find certainty. Mm. Yeah, you know what's interesting? Something I just realized, because something I've taught over the past, you know, 15 years, you know, running Happy Jack Yoga is like, you know, and it's so, it's cliche, we all know it, but like saying things how it's, it's all about the journey, right? Well, it's like at those stages when I was 30 and 35 and at all of those stages, in a way I had arrived. I had, I had made such a life transformation and I was in a space of like, okay, I get it. I'm doing the thing. This feels right. And now I can reflect back and be like, oh yeah, it's all about the journey. And it's, so it's easy when you're in that state of like, Hey, found this new thing. It's fresh. It's exciting. Uh, I get it. It feels right. And, and then it's easy to, you know, preach or share of like, oh yeah, it's all the journey, but when you're in that moment of crossroads or like from, for me, when I'm in this moment of crossroads, you know, relationship change, uh, apart, changing apartments, changing countries, 
uh, a, a lot of change, you know, in the flux and a lot of uncertainty. And there, I don't have, yeah, I don't have that same, you know, so I, it's, it's like, I, even though I know hypothetically and conceptually all those things that I've shared in the past, like right now, I'm not experiencing it, but rather I'm going through. It's like that part of the hero's journey. Anybody who's done the hero's journey with us or watched the documentary Finding Joe, right? And we know there's not just one journey. It's not like, you know, yeah, make it to the top of the mountain, rescue the princess, and then it's, and then life is perfect happily ever after. It's like there's these multiple journeys. And I'm sure we'll be going through it in my 50s, 60s, 70s, right? I'm sure. You know, even talking to our friend Mars, who is uh, in his early 80s now, and he's contributed to some of our courses, I think the Bhagavad Gita course. And he's, you know, so real, I would say, now he would not say this, but I would say like, he's so self-realized and so in a way enlightened and such a beautiful soul. And yet he can still be vulnerable and share his insecurities and where he, his faults. And so like, even into our 80s, it seems work continues yeah it's like we live many lives and we do many journeys yeah very it's inter it's exciting exciting um and and scary at the same time so we have maybe time for one one more quick one yeah okay so here comes the quick one in just three words how would you describe real happiness Three words. Yeah. I, I, I guess that's really tricky. I mean, the words that come to mind are love, connect, either love, connection, and joy, or love, connection. You know, honestly, I, I almost want to slip in the God word, even though I'm, you know, kind of navigating what that means, divinity, higher power. But I guess, like, if, if it had to be one word, it would be love. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, for, for some, love is equals with God and mm. with connection. That could be one way to, you know, see it. Yeah, and that's a good challenge for me because I, I definitely am the, I like to have the space uh, to say to ramble a little bit, I feel like when when I can get rambling and get saying stuff, uh, eventually I'll get to a point or something. Um, but there's, you know, it's really good practice to to be able to articulate what it is that we feel or what's important in very few words. And that's what we teach as part of our yoga teacher training is essential language, right? Kind of removing the additional additional extra filler words and just really keeping it essential. And if we think of the yoga sutras, right, they're very short, you know, just just to read the, the yoga sutras on their own. It's like it's 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 not easy. We almost need a, a teacher or a guide to help unpack. There's so much in there. Um, but, yeah, I guess th those are the words that that come up. So, so say that again. I would say love. I mean, I. I'm not, I'm not going to write home about it because I'm sure these could change, but I'm, I'm going to go with right now, I'm going to go with love, connection, and I want to say joy, but that's like kind of the same as happiness. So, but that's, I'm still going to go with that. Love, connection, and joy. That sounds like real happiness. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's something I aspire for. In fact, sometimes when I'm doing 
my my workouts in the morning um, just to, to get my mind out of the busyness i will do mantra like that I'll, I'll look look in the well it's not a mirror but it's the window and i can see myself and you know with a silly smile on my fa- face and i'll say i am love i am connection i am joy i am love i am connection i am joy I am love, I am connection, I am joy. And when I say them, like when I say love, I, I really, f- I, I do my best to feel love. And when I say connection, I do my best to feel connected to, you know, my surroundings. And when I say joy, I do my best to like, you know, a grin and think of my nephews and how would they be playful. And, and, and just by doing those little mantras before starting a workout, for example, puts me in a completely different mindset. It makes it more fun then it's not boring coming back to that myth right then it's like it's fun it's enjoyable and I mean, yeah without getting into the science of it it's uh it's the way to do it yeah that's amazing thank you nice yeah great questions yeah i love it i love this this hot seat is fun so yeah. next that means next week i'm coming back at you we're putting hundred on good. the hot seat and uh, anyone still- here, if you have good hot seat questions, please email us info at happyjackyoga.com. Yeah. Oh, we got some words that were shared. I, I should just quickly say, um, we got, uh, Jewel says love. Amy says trust. Jewel says growth. Amy says faith. Jewel says bliss. Uh, Diana, constant uh, change, uh, connection, love. So there's like, yeah free yeah i mean those are some those are some good ones there is no you know set answer um but thank you so much thank you for the questions quick quick reminder everybody uh, who's listening to this if you'd love to join us in zoom send us an email at info at happyjackyoga.com we'll get you the zoom code because right after this we're gonna as soon as we hit pa- hit stop and the podcast ends then anybody who decides to hang around we get to do a little debrief and celebration with the community so if you'd like to be a part of that, you're welcome to. And then also, um, yeah, I'll just put it out there one last time. It's Giving Tuesday uh, in honor of 14 years cigarette free. Um, we would love to, if you know somebody in your life that you think would be a great fit for scholarship, they're not a member of the community, but you think they'd be a great fit, send us an email. You just never know. Send in a nomination. And um, my friends, make it an amazing rest of the day. Hanna, thank you. We'll see you soon. Namaste. Namaste.